Good afternoon, boxing fans around the world. Back again on Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net with a our weekend of boxing updates here. Feel free to check us out. Once again, the site is combattalkradio.net. Leave us some comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on how we're doing, and we will get right into our weekend of boxing. All right, recording on a Saturday here, boxing fans. We had to play some catch-up as I'm still in the mid uh, phases of this move, trying to wrap everything up, and I had some vendors screw up at the last minute, which completely derailed my plans. So we're going to crash through this pretty darn quickly. We have a couple fights on deck for today. We also have a fight out of Japan that's happening on Monday. I'm going to talk about that one as well. A little bit of follow-on news. So Andy Ruiz right now, the story was he was supposed to be fighting Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder said he's basically, the Ruiz is pricing himself out. He thinks he's worth more than he really is. Ruiz keeps saying, people just don't want to fight me. I'm ready to fight. Joshua doesn't want the smoke for a third fight. That's a rubber match, so I would be okay with that. But Joshua really needs to fight Wilder at this point. I honestly feel like Wilder and Joshua should have fought when they were both undefeated. Because I think that would have been a more compelling story to have told. And so I'm, I'm disappointed, but I think there's still an appetite out there for that to happen. Allegedly, that's going to happen in early 2024. We don't know for 100%, but that's the story spinning around is that they're on the closing phases of getting that fight finally signed to see those two finally mix it up. And of course, Joshua took two L's against Usyk, took an L to Andy Ruiz. Wilder only has the two, effectively only two, <laughs> Two L's, so he's got the two L's to Fury. He's got the draw against Fury that really should have been another L. So, in my mind, it's really three losses. That's what I'm going to say there. It's really three losses. So, they're kind of neck and neck equal. They've been on the decline. They've not impressed. It's not been amazing looking uh, at them fight. But they're still the top heavyweights effectively because Tyson Fury, of course, is fighting uh, Nagano, and then nobody really wants that fight either uh, because they think that Fury's just going to walk right through him, and I'm one of those. I think that Fury is, it's, I feel, it feels like a waste of time for that fight, to be honest. So let's go ahead now, crash course through our fights. We've got, starting today, here at the Commerce Casino, uh, excuse me, yeah, Commerce Casino and Commerce in the United States, 12 rounds of lightweight action. This is on DAZN, by the way. The return of William Zapata fighting Marcito Gesta. And, of course, if you remember the last time I did a coverage on Gesta, I said I'm a, real, I'm a fan of Gesta. I just felt like his opponent was just... A little bit better. He eked it out, so he got the win, but it wasn't it wasn't dominant. And he's been a little bit declining. Not greatly, but a little bit declining. He's been in the business since 2003, so he's not a young guy. He's young in terms of, you know, he's not old in terms of age. He's I'm talking battle-tested. He's been in wars, and so feels like he's just been on somewhat of a decline. Whereas William Zapata, he's the up-and-comer. He's a young, very young guy. He's both southpaws. Zapata's a knockout artist. He just got he just sparked his opponent out in two. He debuted not too long ago. The I'm I'd be shocked if Zapata lost this fight. There are some people giving Gesta the opportunity to win. I don't see it. I think Zapata's just way too dang superior uh, from what I saw on these two guys. And that's not a ding against Gesta, because like I said, I'm a fan of his. I just think that it's a little bit too uh, past his prime or past his peak for him to do a show up there. The other the other fight on the same undercard, 10 rounds of featherweight action. Victor Morales fighting Edwin Palomares. Commerce Casino once again. Uh, Morales, he has the draw, but otherwise undefeated. Morales is a solid boxer. He's a really good boxer. 
I wouldn't say he's an amazing fighter, but he's a solid. You know, he's solid. Maybe a B plus of a fighter. Palomares, he's he's a young guy, but he's not anywhere near, in my opinion, Morales' class. I think that Palomares is going to get dominated, possibly knocked out. Uh, and that's not a thing against Palomares. I just say he's not in Morales' class. He's on a lower level, in my opinion, as a fighter. The reason they match these two up is because from terms of rounds in the books, they're roughly-ish equivalent. Uh, number of wins is equivalent. Number of knockouts is equivalent. Knockout ratio is equivalent. The only thing that separates these guys is that Palomares has four losses and Morales has none. So, but I just think as a skill wise, I think Palomares is nowhere near the guy's class. So I'm, I'm leaning Morales on that one just from what I saw. On that undercard again, women's action, 10 rounds at minimum weight. Yocasta Valle versus Maria Macheco. Uh, excuse me, Maria Michelle. So I know uh, Valle, I like Valle a lot. She's she's had a rough, little bit of a rough time of it, but then she recovered. She's um, still in the game, still not, she's not like up there in age. Santizo, which is uh, her official last name for Maria Michelle. Santizo is her official last name. She's coming off a loss. She's a lot older. She's been in the game quite a long time. The irony is that Santizo has not gone the distance very many times. And Valle has gone the distance almost every fight she has. So Valle has way more rounds in the books. Skill-wise, I don't see this as a competitive fight. I think Valle is going to easily win this fight. I think it's worth watching just because the women seem to always step it up. But I don't, you know, again, if you're one that don't like the women action, it's one to skip. I just think Valle is worth watching because I think she's going to be something at some point in the future. Then we got in Japan, this is now on Monday. So this is Japan at the Arakaki Arena in Kotoku, Japan. This is 12 rounds of junior flyweight action. Kenshiro Taraji, who I'm a fan of, fighting against Heki Butler. I don't know Heki Butler, never heard of him. I think he's out of Ghana, I believe. I, I think so. Or Jamaica. He's I, I don't remember, but anyway, um, Taraji, like I said, I'm a real big fan. This is a unified fight, so they're unifying WBA, WBC, and the ring. Um junior flyweight belts. So this is a huge fight. It doesn't seem like it if you look at Butler's record, but it's a huge fight. It's on ESPN Plus in the U.S. if you want to check that out. But it's a huge fight because it's unification. I am i can't see a reason Taraji doesn't win this, frankly. Taraji's been on a tear very recently. He had his uh, one loss where he got stopped after a war. But after that, he's been kind of on a tear in recovery. Taraji's not like that blitz artist like Inoue. He's he's box style. He's skill. He's talent. Now, I say that Butler has significantly almost twice the experience that Taraji has. But Butler's a little bit older. Butler's a little bit shorter. And Butler has roughly about the same reach. Butler came off a win, but he struggled before that win. I, again, I think Taraji's just skill-wise superior but Butler is the one who is, Butler's perceived as the more experienced of the two. And that's going to play in. You're going to see experience kind of come into play. And I don't know exactly how much. Most online agree with me that Taraji is going to take this. Not with ease. He's going to have to work for it. But I think Taraji is going to take that one from what I can see. Undercard of this fight, 12 rounds of super flyweight action. Junto Nakatani versus R.G. Cortez. I know both fighters very well. I'm a fan of both fighters. Uh, Nakatani, up and coming. Very solid boxer. Very solid fighter. Good kid as well. Uh, Cortez is not old, but he's been through some wars and he's declined ever slightly. I think this is a mismatch, in my opinion. 
Uh, Cortez, I want to say he's from Mexico. Um, but I feel it's a, I feel this is a mismatch. I think that Nakatani's going to blitz this guy and get him out of there. And that's not dinging on Cortez. He's a good fighter, but I don't think he's anywhere near uh, Junto Nakatani. Junto Nakatani is upper level in terms of skill comparatively against this. Uh, you know, maybe it's competitive. I just, I don't personally see it. This is for the WBO, Junior Bantamweight title. So we should see a pretty good fight for however long it lasts. The last fight I see on record here, same undercard Japan, eight rounds of junior flyweight action. Anthony Olasquaga fighting Jamel Magramo. Don't know either guy, have not seen either guy fight. Olasquaga looks like he debuted very recently, 2020-ish. So he hasn't done that very many fights. And then he, he's coming off a of stoppage. So he's only had, I want to say, five, six fights, something like that. <laughs> and he's already got a stoppage. It, it, well, I watched that fight, and I'll get to McGrawmo here in a second, but I watched that fight, and I my gut tells me that he was pushed a little bit too early. My gut tells me that the matchup just was not appropriate for where he was as a skill, you know, skill level. He was he was put in there with somebody just a little bit too fast, and that's it happens, right? But it, it wasn't that he was doing anything specifically wrong, but he has room to grow. And if he wants to stay in the business, he's only 24 years old. If he wants to stay in the business, he's the one thing I can say he should definitely work on. He seems to have an issue with his measuring when to be aggressive and when to be defensive. Because I get the sense that he he's one of those that will wait for an opportunity to land something big. Sometimes in certain fights, you've got to go after the guy. And sometimes in certain fights, you got to stay away from the guy. If we go back and we look at Muhammad Ali and George Foreman, Muhammad Ali... Nobody believed Ali was going to beat Foreman because Foreman was on a tear. Foreman was taking guys out like nothing, especially Joe Frazier. So when Ali goes in and he does the perfect strategy, which is he lets Foreman basically wear himself out, come after him, be as defensive as possible. He did get some hits landed on him, but he was able to weather the storm until uh, George, you know, slowed down ever slightly. And then Ali went after him and got him. So that, but that worked against a George Foreman. It doesn't work against every fighter. Sometimes... As we saw with guys like, you know, Pirog versus Danny Jacobs, sometimes or Danny Jacobs versus Peter Quillen. Sometimes you got to go after them, blitz them, get them out of there because you can't let them get set. You can't let them get ready. So your strategy is going to change for every single fighter. Certain fighters like a Floyd Mayweather can adapt regardless of the guy that's in front of them. But even Floyd, to some degree, had at least the, the wherewithal to understand the faults of the fighter at a basic level and then just kind of adapt with it, like, say, Victor Ortiz. He knew Victor Ortiz tended to lose his temper at times, and he capitalized on that. He basically set him off to piss him off to make a mistake that ultimately opened up the opportunity for him to get the stoppage. My point here, if he ever listens, Mr. Alasquaga, so I never got the sense that he made an overt mistake that any other fighter could not have. I got the sense that it was hard for him to measure when to be offensive and when to be defensive. And if he can fix that and learn the right time to be offensive and the right time to be defensive, I think he could be a hell of a fighter. But that's a key. He's got to learn how to measure that. He's got to learn how to measure that, and it's tricky. I think maybe if you in your in the gym, maybe how he spars might play into it because some fighters will spar both. They'll spar defensive style and offensive style. Some fighters spar what they like, which is, you know, offensive or defensive accordingly. Somebody like Tia Fimo, he didn't go out there and try to blitz Josh Taylor. He just outboxed him like he was supposed to. 
but he tried to blitz Cambosis and he paid for it. So I think Tiafimo's another one, just like Alasquaga, where it's like when he goes against certain styles, the wrong thing happens. So I, I'm saying I like him and I want the best for him and I want him to grow and be more than what we saw because it looks like he can, but he's got to learn better how to measure offense versus defense. Now, let me get to Magramo because I've not seen a fight of Magramo. Magramo's a reasonably youngish guy. He's an orthodox fighter. He's coming off a knockout loss just most recently. So the matchup was both guys are coming off losses. One guy's a stoppage, one guy's a knockout. Magramo has way more experience. He's got easily five times the experience in the books. He's been in the business a long time. He debuted, I want to say 2012-ish. So he's been in a long time. And over his story career, I got the sense from him, and this is my advice on him, I got the sense from him that it's all about who he's matched with. Seems like just certain styles give him problems. And when he gets those problems, they're they're dangerous. Like he gets knocked out. It's not like you get completely outboxed, but you were ultimately competitive. So this is one where it's not like mistakes. It's just certain guys, certain styles are a problem for him. I did not get the sense that, it, from what I saw, that Olasquaga has anything that would trouble Magramo. I felt like Magramo should be able to win this. If not only for the experience factor, but also just styles. It felt like Olasquaga's style should be something Magramo can handle. I think the matchmakers are trying to lean it more towards Olasquaga for a rebuild. It didn't feel like it was trying to rebuild Magramo. It felt like it's trying to rebuild Olasquaga. So... If McGrawmo ever listens, but the you know whether he doesn't, the thing here is, I don't think Olasquaga's style is going to give him any problems. I think McGrawmo, what he needs to focus on in this one is look for mistakes, look for that one key mistake where he comes in as a style, observe the style, watch what he's doing, see if he changes the style, because if he doesn't change the style, you know what you need to do, which is you need to do whatever you need to do to counter that style now expecting that he won't be able to switch or not switch fast enough and then you might be able to get him out of there my gut and this, this is my gut i could get it way wrong my gut is if magramo does the right style he should be able to get another stoppage on alasquaga sometime late if he can't capitalize on the mistake i do see magramo possibly getting beat by a decision so to me it's like okay magramo's gonna stop this guy because he makes another mistake or or you know, Olasquaga is able to pull it out and it's a decision because he made the right adjustments. That's how I see this one. This is an intriguing fight. It's junior flyweight, so you're going to see some action regardless. It's a, it's, a, it's a very intriguing fight, and I do think it's worth watching if you do want to check that out on Monday. That's what I got on deck for boxing. I will check back in after the fact. And then we got some interesting news happening next week in the boxing world that I want to share with you and talk through. Huge fights that are on the horizon coming soon. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Combat Talk Radio, Masterpiece Boxing, found at CombatTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening today, whether you are a subscriber or not. I know you have choices, and I appreciate you for being here. Just to remind those that are new to the show, Combat Talk Radio records every Friday, so once a week in the Pacific time zone. And then Lifeblood of Boxing series, which is our coverage of the boxers I think are worth your time and give to the sport. That's once per month. It does not have a fixed schedule, but once a month I'll have a release until I run out of ones that I think are worth covering for Lifeblood of Boxing. So those are our two programs. It is podcast only at this point. 
We want to hear from you. So combattalkradio.net at the bottom. Hit comments, feedback. Let us know how we're doing. If there's anything that you'd like to see us adjust or improve, we want to hear from you, and we are open to that feedback. We also are open to starting up the YouTube again, but it seemed like that died off when Lomachenko took a loss, and we don't know why. So if somebody knows why or they'd like to hear the YouTube coverage, let us know that as well in the comments, and we are open to doing it. We just need to make sure the fans are there. Right now they're on the podcast, not on the YouTube for whatever reason specific. We're open either way. Anyhow, that'll do it, and I will see you guys next week.